Welcome to New Cities Sermon Podcast. Join us as we root deep in God's Word, expecting to be encouraged, challenged, and formed to be more like Jesus together. Let's get into the scriptures now. We are, um, we're going to be looking at the theme of formed and full. Formed and full is our little catchphrase, our theme, the direction our church is going to head in the next year. And what I'm going to do is explain to you this morning or this afternoon um, where we get that in Scripture. We're going to look at a passage from Ephesians 3. And then I'm, I'm going to find that in the Scripture and then kind of let you see how we're going to be led this year by God and some of the things we think he's leading us towards. And you've already heard some of those from Runette and Chris but we're going to read Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, but first let me pray. God, we thank you that your word is so powerful. It is a gift from the Holy Spirit to us that we get to hear your words. And these words aren't just uh, ritualistic. They're not just dry and dusty. Rather, they bring life. They change us. They change the way we think. They change what we love. They change the way we live. And so we pray that even now, Holy Spirit, you would work in our church and you would change us as we look towards the new year, as we look towards 2024 and thinking about being formed and full. And all God's people said, amen. Paul writes in Ephesians 3, verse 14 through 21, he says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that he might grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height, and depth of God's love. And to know Christ's love, that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of God. There are sports greats, and there are sports legends. Now, sports greats are ones that dominate, but a sports legend in my book is someone who wins championships while dominating. So you think of Michael Jordan, six-time NBA champ, two-time three-peats with the Chicago Bulls. You think of Tom Brady, who won the Super Bowl seven times. He has seven uh, rings to go on his ten fingers, but none of them compare to an all-American sports legend named Joey Chestnut. Joey Chestnut is the 15-time Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Champ. In fact, since 2007, he has only lost this competition once. Joey Chestnut is a professional sports-eating competitor. He enters into competitions to dominate others by eating more food than him. By eating more food than them. Now, here's the thing, interesting thing about Joey Chestnut. Just like Tom Brady, just like Michael Jordan, he doesn't just show up to game time without having trained. Just like Tom Brady and just like Michael Jordan train 
and train and train and practice and practice and practice, Joey Chestnut does the exact same thing, which is why he's a 15-time champion. Actually, he's a 16-time champion. I wrote that down wrong. Joey Chestnut trains and forms his body in order to be able to eat more hot dogs than anyone else on the planet in one sitting. He, he actually focuses on his muscle and his mindset, and he has techniques that he practices in order to consume all these hot dogs. He tries to go through a process where he is formed into the type of person that can eat more hot dogs than anybody else. This is what he does. He does diets. He does these weird lemon juice cleanses. He has jaw exercises that he does so that he can fit more hot dogs down quicker. Sorry if I'm grossing you out. And he even does this. He, he goes down into his basement and he turns up his radio with music and voices of a crowd and he practices the Nathan's hot dog eating competition in his basement. And the reason he does that is because that's what it's like at the competition. It's noisy. It's on Coney Island on July 4th. And there are people shouting and yelling at you. So he tries to form himself in a way, he tries to practice in a way that he's ready for the real thing. We can think about everything that Joey Chestnut does in terms of formation. He is practicing, he is training himself. He is trying to form himself into the type of person that can be full of hot dogs. As we think about that, I might ask you, how are you forming yourself? Or what are you forming yourself for? Are you pursuing something in life that you're forming yourself to gain? Most of us are, are thinking about forming ourselves so that we can have the fullest life possible. I mean, even as we come into 2024, I can't help but think about like little tweaks I'm making in my life, little goals and habits that I'm changing in order to have the best life possible in 2024. But what this passage talks about is something that Joe Chestnut gets at, which is a formation that happens inside of you. Not in your stomach, but, but in your heart. In the deepest part of who you are, in your soul. And it's not something that you do to yourself. Rather, it's a formation that God does in you. It's something that he performs on you, that as he forms you, it makes you full of life in a way that you can never believe. As God forms you, you become someone who, who loves differently. You become someone who perseveres in the midst of hardship. You, you deal with emotional pain in a deeper way. You respond to disappointment with hope. God forms us so that we can be full of him. Look at the passage in, in verse 16 through 17a. Paul writes, I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit. The first formation that God is doing in you is a channeling of power. A channeling of power. Last night we watched uh, Spider-Man No Way Home and it's like this conglomerate of all the Spider-Mans from all the meta universes. I don't even know how to say it but then all the villains from all the different films. And it was so interesting to me to see how uh, all the villains are always trying to hoard power for themselves. 
In fact, in any movie you watch, the villains, like, there's always one scene where the villain's like, it's mine, all mine, right? He's like hoarding power for himself. But, but it's so interesting. Here we see in this passage that God has all the power, but he's giving it to us. The formation that's happening is a channeling of power, a strengthening with power in your inner being. God is saying to us, the power that I have that's all mine is freely yours, and I'm committed to give it to you and form you and change you. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that God is forming you with inside, the resurrection power. And here's how he does it. It says, by faith. It happens through faith. Christ dwells in your heart through faith. As the risen Lord Jesus sends his spirit to live in you, by faith you access that power. Now we might hear that, and that just means we pretend, right? That just means we kind of pretend that God's working in us. No, that's not what it means at all. It means that you are a weak and broken and sinful person and you simply trust the God of the universe that what he says he's done in Jesus Christ to forgive you and justify you and love you and call you his own. You trust that that's true and he begins working in you and forming you so that in the most broken parts of who you are, he channels his power to change you. That's the beauty of this is that it's God in you. God in the deepest part of who you are is strengthening you with power. And so, even ask yourself, as Paul prays for this for the Ephesians, do you pray for that for yourself, for your family, for those that don't know Jesus? Pray that God would form you with his power and strength where Christ dwells in your heart through faith. God does this through prayer. It's it's interesting. We, We said that Joey Chestnut does the formation. He does the practice. Here we're talking about our faith. God does it but God does it as we pray. We don't just sit there and wait for God to zap it. We can actually pray, God, strengthen me with power. Form me in my heart by your spirit. Give me the power of the resurrection so that when I get in conflict with my spouse, I respond differently. So that when things don't go my way, I respond with hope. So that when I see the news and the darkness of the world again, I remember that Jesus is victorious. That's what it means for us to be strengthened with power. The first formation is a channeling of power. And the second one is an experience of God's love. Verse 17b, Paul goes on and prays, I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in what? In love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width and height and depth of God's love. And to know Christ, that surpasses knowledge. It's interesting, we often spend most of our lives trying to get love or feel love. And I don't know if you've ever if you've ever tried to get love from someone who's used their love to control you, or or if you've tried to prove you're worthy of love, but you keep finding that you see evidence against your worthiness. Uh, that that's one of the reasons I think why our culture struggles with this idea of self love. 
You know, we, we struggle with how to view ourselves and we've been manipulated by other people with love and so we don't really know what to do. Now, it's interesting. I think there's an appropriate self-respect and self-dignity. My parents raised me going, John, God doesn't make no junk, right? And that's true. But one of the things that I find shallow about the whole self-love movement is that we assume the greatest resource for loving me is me. But what this passage tells us is the greatest resource for loving me and you is not me and you. It's the love of God that's freely given to us. And here's the weird thing. Like, God doesn't want us to be insecure. Does he love me? Does he not? God wants us to know in the deepest part of who we are, with absolute certainty, even as we feel our insecurities, even as we struggle with our worth, even if we wonder, as we wonder, we look at the darkest parts of our life and our shame, he wants us to know we are loved. 100%, 100% of the time. So much so that we don't even have to question it. Paul prays that we would be rooted That's like an agricultural term. That that, that reminds me of trying to pull up a stump. You ever cut down a tree and try to pull up a stump after you've done it? It's near impossible. Don't don't do it. Just call the guy to come and chop it up. What's it called? The drill thing that goes down. But but if if you spread your roots out as a tree, it is hard to pull you up. How deep are your roots in the love of God? That's something that can deeply form us and change us. But then Paul also says that he wants us to be established in the love of God. That word established reminds me of the foundation of a building, right? You can build your entire life on the love of God. God's love is so long that will last your entire life. God's love is so wide that will include both your friends and your enemies. God's love is so high that it can lift you from your darkest depression. God's love is so deep that it can meet you in your deepest shame and your deepest guilt. God wants you, when you're asked, who are you? God wants you to be able to answer, I am John and I am loved by God. That's who I am. Can you answer that way? It's not something you deserve, but it's something God gives. When I'm in pain, God loves me. When I doubt, God loves me. When I don't have peace, God loves me. When I have secret sins, God loves me. When I fail, my failures do not define me because God's love defines me. In all parts of my life, I'm to be formed by the love of God. And you are to be formed by the love of God for you in Christ Jesus the self-giving, self-sacrificial love that caused Jesus to go to the cross and die for you, to be formed by that. And Paul says, as we're formed by that, we become full. Verse 19, and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So first of all, Paul says that there's a knowing of Christ's love, and it's not a Wikipedia looking up kind of know. It's a relational knowing. It's a confidence in your relationship with God. But as you know that love, it fills you. It it fills you with his character. 
He's present in your life, and so he shapes you and changes you. He affects your emotions and your affections and your actions and your thoughts. How? By the presence of the Spirit. What are the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience or long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's how God fills you up and what spills over in you. But all those things are related to love, which is why love comes first in the fruit of the Spirit. Donald Gray Barnhouse said it this way, love is the key. Joy is love singing. Peace is love resting. Long-suffering is love enduring. Kindness is love Love's touch. Goodness is love's character. Faithfulness is love's habit. Gentleness is love's self-forgetfulness. Self-control is love holding the reins. What God is promising us is as we're formed and strengthened by his power, as we're formed by his love in every part of who we are, we will spill out with who he is. And how does he want us to know him? How does he want us to define him? He is the God who is full of love. Do you want more of that in your life? Do you want more love from God? He gives it freely. Do you want God's love to spill out of you because you're so full, full of his love? That's what this passage is talking about. And it's accessible to every Christian. You don't have to be a professional Christian like me. You can be the worst Christian, and this is still true for you. This is still true for you because it's not about you. It's about what God is doing in you. It's about how he's forming you and filling you. And as we look at this next year, my hope for you is that you'll be a Joey Chestnut when it comes to being a Christian, that you will allow the love of God in to shape you, inform you, so that you can fill yourself with it, and it spills over to everybody else. And really, that's where we're going this year. When we talk about being formed and full, we're talking about the love of God for us. And so I want, I want, to, I want to, first of all, just give you a couple ways that that's going to spill out in our church. That's why we had a, a vision for this year, being formed and full. Last year, our vision was a greater worship of Jesus, and we focused on three things from last year. The first one was we wanted to see people start to follow Jesus, the conversion of new worshipers. I'll be honest, we realized a year ago that no one had made a profession of faith to follow Jesus in our church in a year. And here's the great thing, we can be honest about that and go, all right, that's not the kind of church we want to be, but it is the church we are. But guess what? God is going to do more in us than we can ask or imagine. So we began praying and taking actions around seeing new people come to know Jesus Christ. And you heard from some of them last week during Testimony Sunday. In fact, this past year, we've seen five people make professions of faith. I think we have a slide with their names. Uh, B, Kimberly, Julia, Evie, and Cameron all made professions of faith in 2023 which is awesome, right? And then the second thing related to worship from last year was a, a personal worship reorientation. 
Here's what I mean that by that, is, is that we start examining our lives and we go, where am I not following Jesus in my life? And what would it look like for me to start following Jesus in my life? And last week we heard about that as well. You, you heard from Esther and you heard from Hannah. Esther who walked away from the faith and came back. And then Hannah who converted to Jesus but began wrestling like, what do I do with this new age part of me? And how do I reckon that with following Jesus? And she began just throwing stuff away, right? That is a personal worship reorientation. This doesn't line up with who Jesus is or what he commands, so I'm going to follow him. And what's amazing, and I wish I could tell you, is there's literally dozens of stories like that in the church, but because I'm your pastor, I don't tell anybody else what you tell me, but I've heard the stories from each of you about how God is reorienting you to worship him in a new way. And then last year, our third focus was we sensed that we were going to have to move facilities, and here we are. We've moved to a new worship location, and we're all still here. God's good, right? It's been, it's been a hard transition, but uh, we're in this new worship space, and Park Road has been super gracious. And that's really what last year was about. And I, I'm really thankful for what the Lord did because it gives me encouragement to think about the, what the Lord will do as we think about this next year being formed in full. And the first place, the first thing I want to throw out there to you is um, next year, this year, we're going to create some spaces for you to be formed, spaces for formation. Now, you've already heard about a couple of these. We're going to have a men's monthly Bible study that starts this Saturday at 8 a.m. Runette shared about the women's Bible study that starts the following week on Thursday night. We're also going to do, I'm calling it a theology cohort. It's a really a book club where we're going to read a book that I loved in seminary called As Far, Far as the Curse is Found, The Covenant Story of Redemption. And the reason that we're reading this book is I want to help us be formed theologically about how we think about our lives in the world. There are so many stories right now about what the world's really about and what I believe the scripture teaches is the story is ultimately about God's redemption. And once you get that down, it changes how you see all the other stories. And so if you're interested in that book club that's going to meet once a month on Zoom, let me know. I'd love to get you more information about that book. But then lastly, another space, another space we're creating for formation is we're going to do our first leaders retreat in February. We've never done that. Our leaders meet monthly, but we've never had the opportunity to actually do a retreat for a whole couple days together. In fact, if you're on the leadership team, could you just raise your hand so we could see who you are? Wonderful. Not everyone's here tonight, but, you, but uh, these are your leaders. Follow them blindly. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we have a great leadership team, and they're really, they really love you all, and I'm thankful for them. Then secondly, besides spaces for formation, uh, resources for formation, um, some of you know that I, I do a podcast with a buddy of mine called Post Everything, and my friend Brad is a pastor out in Boulder, Colorado. It's a really interesting place to start a church, but him and I have been conversation partners for like 15 years, and we are exploring in this podcast what it means to remap the culture as it changes and how do we thrive 
particularly as leaders, as the culture changes so rapidly. But this particular season of the podcast, we're on season three, we're going to be really asking questions about formation. So we're going to be asking, like, what does it mean to be formed by the gospel? What does it mean to be formed by our Christian identity? What does it mean to be formed by masculinity or femininity? And here's the great thing. We're not asking ourselves. We're getting people much smarter than us to come on the podcast, and we're interviewing them, and they're answering the questions for us. In fact, the first podcast that we had of the season, we were asking someone about anxiety. And anxiety is something that, like, deforms us. It makes us less human. And so here's a little clip from that podcast that came out last week. What is anxiety and why is it important for leaders to understand that anxiety is systemic in order for them to lead well in their organizations? Yeah, I love that question, John. I I really do because I regret using the word anxiety because a lot of people get tripped up by it, especially a classic driven leader. They say, I'm not anxious. But in the field that I train in, it's known as systems theory. The founders of the theory call it anxiety, so I do too. It's best understood as reactivity. I find that to be a more helpful word. And so then, you know, your average leader can ask themselves a question, well, what kinds of situations and what kinds of people make me reactive? Mm. So there's a long answer to your question, but I'd say the short answer is there are all kinds of anxieties in this world. That's Pastor Steve Cuss, who has really devoted his pastoral work to studying anxiety. And it was so informative and helpful to be able to interview him. And so we'll, that was just the first of our whole season where we're going to be asking tough questions to people much smarter than us. So if that interests you, feel free to look up Post Everything wherever you do your podcast. But then secondly, next week we're starting a new series, and that series is called Formed to Flourish. We're going to be looking at what choices we can make together as the people of God in this local church that will lead towards us thriving. And the very first week, we're going to be talking about this. Let's choose to enjoy Jesus together. Oftentimes, we think about following Jesus, which is right. But as you follow him, do you think he wants you to to enjoy him? He does. For so many of us, our faith is duty, not delight. And we're going to talk about what it means to enjoy Jesus starting next week. So another resource for you. But then a couple things that are initiatives that we're looking at, um, that we're going to talk with the leaders about over the next year. Uh, One is an encouragement and care team. We've realized that as people go through emergencies, it's helpful to have someone besides me to be able to care for them. And we want to ask the question, like, how do we train people to be encouragers and carers in our church? That's one question we're asking. And then another question we're asking is, should we take our church's first international mission trip this year together? So someone's saying, yeah, all right, we got some yeses. Answer, question answered. And lastly, there's a couple things that I think will help us um, sort of assess how we're doing as we think about being formed by the love of God and, and, and filled So first of all, as we talk about choosing to enjoy Jesus, um, I would love for us to be able to visibly recognize that our church culture has changed over the next year. So when we get to December 31st, I would love for us to be able to say, yes, I have been in a church that has chosen to enjoy Jesus more, and our church culture has more joy in it. 
That would be amazing to be able to say that together. That's one benchmark I'd love for us to hit over the next year. Secondly, I'd love to see our attendance grow. You know, numbers aren't everything, but they are something, right? And if you were here Christmas Eve, this place was packed. And it was so energetic and it was so awesome. And so I'd love for us to set a goal of 77 on Sundays. One, it's easy to remember. And then secondly, that's actually a goal that would push us a little bit, but I think is attainable for us to be able to consistently have 77 people meeting to worship Jesus and experiencing the love of God. I think that would be great for us. And then lastly, the last benchmark is we're really going to increase the prayer for getting our own facility. Last year was so transitional and we had so many curveballs. We didn't really focus on praying for that. But this year, we're going to focus on praying that God would provide our own facility for us. Now, I don't know how that's going to happen, um, but this verse ends by saying that he does more than we can ask or imagine. So we're going to ask that, that he would do more than we ask or imagine. And so as we think about 2024, I want to just encourage you, show up, jump in, be part of that 77 on Sundays and, and bring joy, the joy of Jesus to the people here. We need you. We love you. You're part of this. And God is taking us places. And because we want to focus on praying for a new facility this year, we want to start by doing that right now. Thank you for joining with us as we rooted deep in God's word. If you found this sermon encouraging, share it with a friend. You can learn more about New City by going to newcityhh.com or checking us out on social media by searching New City HH. We'll see you next week.